This is The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher, Ernie Vecchio. The Soul's Intent is a show that boldly claims that it can help reveal where you are on the spiritual path. Learn how there is a physical place of love, truth, and freedom. Listen, and in an instant, learn that moving to such a place is actually a choice. This is The Soul's Intent, and now here's your host, Ernie Vecchio. discussion tonight how the personality or the ego constricts the soul and in my experience uh, of looking at what spirituality is doing in the field of psychology and soul they're not talking much about how these two dynamics relate and I talk about in what I teach that there are some absolutes Uh, I'm not going to go through all those in this show tonight but two absolutes that we're talking about this evening certainly is one is that we have an ego that's absolutely uh, real and true, and we have a soul. But now we have a lot of people that think of the soul as, as ethereal or something that's beyond conception, or it's kind of like way other world, this concept of soul. But really it's just the field of energy that kind of animates this body. It's your life force, and it has intelligence. And so when we talk about the relationship between the personality and the soul, we're talking about two intelligences that are trying to communicate one intelligence that's trying to survive this existence and one other intelligence is just trying to simply be what it was intended to be which is alive and incarnate two levels of intelligence Mm -hmm. both both trying to communicate with one another not necessarily in opposition but yet they seem to be in the culture and certainly in the spiritual movement Hmm. That, that is a, a very interesting way to put it, yeah, and, and not working against each other, but working with each other, ideally. Um, when when I read uh, the, the topic for the show tonight and, and what you wrote about it, um, what came up for me is um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, you know, the theory of human mm-hmm. development and, and um and, and how that's, you, you know, usually shown in like a, a pyramid kind of way. And to me, that's kind of um, the the bottom and the basic needs kind of coming up and meeting the highest um, need, which is self-realization. And, you know, meeting each other to create a, a sense of wholeness. So that's that's something that came up for me, the, the realization of we, we are both. And both of those, the soul and the ego, have to work together with each other because we are both. And, you know, to ignore either intelligence, we would be missing out. As I was considering the topic tonight, I was looking at what some of the other uh, spiritual folks are saying about soul versus ego. And one thing that jumped out at me that I think is a, uh, a source of confusion is is that uh, there's a lot of indication in the spiritual community that the soul has an agenda, that the soul, and for the soul to have an agenda, that it's conscious, <laughs> that it has some consciousness tied to it, therefore it has an agenda. And the agenda is, of course, to reconnect with the source in its purest form. And that's a nice romantic way to talk about the soul's intent is, is that it wants to unify with the source. But I don't know that it is, it's a conscious agenda as much as it is just the intelligence of the soul wanting to be what it was intended to be. It's kind of like a tree when it is created by a seed and it grows 
it plants its roots into the ground and it grows and becomes a tree, it doesn't imagine that it's something else <laughs> and it doesn't have an agenda other than to just to grow and to have a reciprocal relationship with the earth that, that it's attached to and then live out the seasons of its existence, whatever that life expectancy of the tree would be. Uh, so what do you think about that, about this idea that the soul has an agenda uh, and that its agenda is to connect with the source? And, and also that part of that agenda is that if you live the raw kind of life in this existence, then the soul is contaminated, and so therefore it may or may not be able to connect with the source. That doesn't ring true to me. That just doesn't ring true to me because I, I think the ego has an agenda and the ego measures mm. and compares. I don't think the, the soul, I don't think the soul is personalized. <laughs> so, I mean, it would, it mm-hmm. would somehow have to be personalized to have an agenda. It would, it would somehow have to be comparing and measuring and no, <laughs> it, it, that doesn't really ring true for me that the soul has an agenda. Mm. I think the soul is connected to source. Right, that's yeah. the constriction of ego. Yeah, if, if anything takes the soul away from its connection to the source, it would be that we make up we are the ego, that the ego is the defining essence of who we are when it's just identifications and identities that we've taken on and defense mechanisms we take on over a lifetime to live our lives, to survive in this three-dimensional world that we live in. But mm-hmm. the word that I like instead, instead, of, uh, instead of agenda, the word I like is unity, that, um, that what the soul is attempting to do is just to become whole or to be whole in this container that we call the human body. And it mm-hmm. can't be fully whole if it is being divided and dissected by the human ego, which is what the ego tends to do. If you want to be graphic in that division is if the soul is, you know, totally, if we're embodied by the, by the soul entirely, then it isn't just in our head, it's in our bodies and our head combined. And so the division that we tend to, that we tend to experience and talk about in the spiritual community is that we're in our heads and not our bodies. And you can see, I mean, just look at the picture of the cavity of the head and the cavity of the body. And imagine that the largest portion, the largest portion of the soul is below the neck. But yet we spend mm-hmm. a, great deal, a great deal of our time in the cavity that we call the head. And so you can see that disunity there. There's no unification. There's no wholeness there. So I think if there's any intention that the soul has besides the fact that we live uh, an embodied kind of existence, that we live it fully in our heads and our bodies combined, not one or the other. Yes, absolutely. That rings true to me. <laughs> that that feels true to yeah. me. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I also like what I've heard you say before that um, the soul isn't conscious. We are. Yeah. And I, I really, really related to that when you said that. But then I also, as I'm just saying it now, the soul isn't conscious we are, or are we? That unity can't happen unless the ego reaches a, a certain level of, of consciousness. And that's a good point. I think that when I said that the soul's not conscious we are, that's an incomplete sentence. When we wake up, 
to that truth mm-hmm. when we wake yeah. up to the, when we wake up to to that to that observation that that the soul is unconscious we are which means that we can fully manifest the potential of that soul uh, if we are fully here in this present moment uh, so so the the question that occurred to me as I was you know putting this topic together is then how how can this far from perfect ego that we have assist the soul so that we can be fully incarnate. What do you think the answer to that would be, Irma, how the, how the personality could assist the soul? The first thing that comes to my mind is to let go of any given self-identity, to kind of let go of what you think you are in order to be what you truly are. That's a great answer, but where, where I was going with the question is is that does the personality even know that the soul needs assistance? And this is part of the waking up problem. To be awakened means to be to to realize that your soul needs assistance. It needs you to be awake and to take responsibility for what that awakenedness would mean. Because it doesn't live in three dimensional time, uh, the ego and the personality and the soul does. Um, it's two different time zones, two different dimensions. So the first mm. thing that the personality can, can do to assist the soul is to get in the same dimension that the soul is in. Uh, and, um, yeah. and that's what awakening would be. And then making the, the distinction between what the soul's intent is and what the personality's intent is. The personality's intent is to be the best version of itself that it can be in the world as far as success and competition and those kinds of things. The soul's intent is that to just simply manifest all of its potential. Uh, mm-hmm. The ego doesn't know its potential unless it's tapped into the soul. When we allow the external to define the internal, then we have it backwards. And when we turn it around the other way, there's a naturalness to that. And there's, there's a flow to that. I mean, I, I just sense that and feel that, that for myself, that how could I help my ego help my soul and vice versa? It would be to understand that it's a partnership. They're not working against mm-hmm. each other. It's a partnership. It's a relationship. And that partnership and relationship, when working together in unity, connects to everything else that's in this natural flow. And that's why I like really like your example of the tree, because when we're in, in sync like that, we, there is a naturalness to it, and it is very much like nature. And so we could sum up that question or the answer to that question. We just say in some kind of mutual respect that each of these, these qualities, these human qualities have station, that we give them a respectful station in our lives. We give the soul station, mm-hmm. we give the ego station, the personality station, and realize that one is, you know, that the, that the agenda of the personality is to survive and the agenda of the soul, if it has any, really is to just be. To just simply be, and then and there's space and room uh, for both of them to exist simultaneously. And I think the reason that we we forget that or have forgotten that is is that because of what I said earlier in the show about our our idea of soul having an agenda, which is to reconnect with God or to go to heaven or to live the or to be pure and uncontaminated. Um, you know, that definition of soul, which is a religious idea of soul, is not 
uh, is not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about the life force that animates this body. If it has any intelligence at all, it's simply just trying to be what it was intended to be by design with a person, mm-hmm. with a personality working, working in, in symbiosis with us to be the best version of that that we can be. And I think that's why some of the confusion about soul and, uh, and ego is, is kind of out there is just that the religion has kind of contaminated a little bit what, what I would consider a much more pure way to talk about soul. The way I kind of perceive it and experience it, it's like so the soul comes into to physical form, and there is a purity in the soul. Then whatever um, you absorb and take in from the the human conditioning, that there's um, you learn and grow from that, and you do your best to stay in alignment with the soul while you're also learning and growing, so that as you go through your life, you're kind of evolving rather than um, not growing or going backwards. But I think the confusion, Irma, is is uh, when we talk about the soul and the ego and their agendas and their relationship, is that we get the spirit confused, the human spirit confused for the soul. Other yes, words, that's big. The, yes. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The human spirit is is that quality that has an agenda. The human spirit is the aspect of the self that's upset, that's wounded, that's harmed, that's tethered to. Uh, pain and adversity, and it has a memory of the original uh, break from source, but then it also is the collective, it's the drain or the collective um, kind of aspect of the self that accumulates all the emotional baggage that we experience in this existence. And so it, it grows in volatility, it grows in intensity, the human spirit, in terms of its aggravation and its angst of trying to get the ego to wake up to the present tense so that it can heal. And I think that what happens is people get the soul and the spirit confused, thinking they're both the same animal. When the soul in this context is an energy field that animates this body that by its vibration and by its intelligence forms and informs us and orchestrates our life in a very profound way where the human spirit is a feeling reaction to this existence that doesn't come about until the umbilical cord is cut and we come into this existence and not even really learn language for 18 to 24 months. So the human spirit is kind of formed very early in its first words before it ever speaks is ouch. And, and, it, and then that ouch grows over time into the mm. human angst. And, and because it's, its relationship with the ego is one of provocation, then it seems like the soul is where the angst is coming from. And the soul doesn't have that angst. The soul doesn't have any of that. The soul isn't even conscious of how unconscious we are. The soul just continues to be what it is, which is truth, which is freedom, which is natural, which is mm-hmm. real. This mm-hmm. is what the soul continues mm-hmm. to do. We, you know, we, we give it words like intuition and things like that, but the soul just is what it is. And, and its only agenda is that we be what it was intended to be, which is me and you, whatever those two things are. Definitely. There's a definite confusion between spirit and soul. But as you were saying all of that, I was wondering too, is there confusion between spirit and ego? 
do do people get that confused? Because when you were just giving your yeah. definition of spirit, it almost sounded like what some people would describe as ego. So is there also confusion mm-hmm. between spirit and ego? Yes, of course. Because and this is and yeah. this is why we're having these discussions. Because um, if the human spirit is your feeling reaction to the to the present moment, uh, then the human ego is the is the hard drive that stores away the thought and the memory that you paired with that feeling, which now becomes an emotion, and that emotion mm-hmm. is stored in the ego, like a hard drive. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so the ego is emotional. The human spirit is passionate. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. it is full of it is full of passion. It suffers. It longs for what it originally was intended to be, which was a direct connection to the soul. The ego just suffers. It desires because of a sense of lack. So that's a distinction that the human spirit is full of passion and longing and the ego is full of desire. And those two things get merged together and get confused. And so, yeah, there's a lot of and I know we're not going to do all this in one show tonight, but this is an example of the kind of dialogue we're going to be doing more of, I hope, in the future, is, is that mm-hmm. these paradoxes of um, the ego versus the soul or the human spirit's relationship to the ego or uh, I'm a spiritual animal or a psychological animal and how do the two relate and what's the, what's the payoff for that relationship – these are the kind of discussions that we're going to have more of in the future, and they're not going to be all figured out in, in one, one conversation, of course. But I think that what I want the folks to hear that there are some absolutes in this idea of the soul's intent. And the absolutes, you need to get your head around first and be able to embrace them. That's not really difficult to do because they're logical and they're sensical, they're commonsensical in what they, in what they are defined as. But that helps with the context of then how these qualities interrelate. If somebody were to ask the question, why is um, kind of defining, not defining, but clarifying um, the differences between spirit, ego, soul, heart, all the things that you bring clarification to, why is that so important? Because it's a matter of are you going to reach your full potential in this lifetime? Or aren't you? Well, what I'd like people to do to, first of all, get the idea that language is important and the language that we use to describe these things then sets the tone for the context of which we embrace these things. They're not debatable things. It's like, you know, it's like, um, like laws, like, you know, there's universal laws. You don't debate gravity. Well, these, these contexts or these qualities of soul, spirit, ego, and heart, these are natural states of, uh, of perception that have become unnatural once they have come into this existence that we call three-dimensional time. The soul was not allowed to be. The human spirit is broken. The ego is wounded and deluded. And the heart has been, been stuck in the bottom drawer is not the compass. <laughs> um, so it's almost like what I want to say to people is, is that when I talk about the soul's intent, I want you to imagine that 99% of what you've been taught about all this has been made up. <laughs> Just give me that. Give me that possibility that much of what you think about the relationship between these qualities and these organs of perception that we call the human condition, much of what you think about it has been made up. 
Mm-hmm. And so what I'm trying to do is to give you language and context that, that, that shows you that it's workable, it's palatable, it's healthy, it's commonsensical, it's logical, it's profound, mm-hmm. and, and, and in the end, it ends up being quite healthy. I, I saw something mm. in the in the news and this past week, Irma, that uh, science just recently. This is to reinforce what I said a minute ago about uh, all the stuff being made up. Science just reinforced here last week. Uh, they made a discovery that they were off in their calculations about how large they think the universe is. Hmm. They now think they now think that there may be six to seven trillion. Six to seven trillion more galaxies than they originally had anticipated. Hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Six to seven trillion. Now, I may have that number wrong. Maybe it was two to three trillion. The point is, uh-huh. the word was trillion. Yeah. So there are trillions of, ga- there are trillions of galaxies uh, that we may not have been aware of. The universe may, may be much larger. So this is, this is a wonderful example of how much uh, of the way you perceive the soul, the ego, the heart, the human spirit is made up. How much of it have you have you got confused and distorted and twisted around because you heard this on television or you read this book or you listened to this particular yeah. speaker and it just kind right. of twisted it around for you? What what, I, what I'm attempting to do with the soul's intent and with intentional guided evolution and with the other things that I teach about compassion is to just say, you know what? Let's pretend for a second that much of it's made up. What I'm giving you is not made up. Uh, it's coming from 10,000 people like yourself that were undergoing adversity, that they had a soul that was communicating with, it, with their ego. They had a human spirit that was provoking themselves as they were going through adversity. They had a compass that was pointing them towards their sense of true north. And so this language that I use has been observable the in the language that I use fits inside of all counseling and psychological theory, fits inside of all religious and spiritual teachings, and keeping in mind that all of those things I just said, some of that's made up. <laughs> so all I'm trying to do is to find some true language that can give us a healthy way to talk about how to be the best version of yourself that you can be in spite of a culture that is deluding you or confusing you about what that best self would look like or sound like. One thing that I know for sure, Irma, is is that if the personality respected the soul and the soul respected the personality, that neither one of these two qualities would get in the way of the other of being the best version of who we can be, you see. If the personality really knew the soul and the soul really knew the personality, which it does, then these two qualities are not going to get in each other's way. They're going to work together in some unified way to, to, to create the best person they can create because the soul just wants to be free mm-hmm. and the personality just wants to be, wants to be great. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, so, uh, and the soul would say if it, if it would speak to the personality, oh, I can do great in a breath. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, the soul would say to the ego, I can do great in a millisecond. You know? um, <laughs> but this is the interesting part about it. You see that these two, these, two, uh, these two kind of organs of perception do not really block one another once they're aware of each other. 
there is a communication yeah. that is that, that that is there all the time, and and it really is mutual respect or mutual station. That's what I say all the time. That that the whole premise of the soul's intent, the whole premise of these shows, the whole premise of what I want to be teaching in the future is that the best relationship you could be having on this planet is the one you're having with yourself, and that relationship is made better by the fact that you are anchored in some kind of internal life, that you have an inner sense of yourself that is attempting to find congruence in the outside world, not the other way around. Um, I've heard you, you say this before, and it, it, it feels so so true to me that souls merge. Souls merge. So the beauty of what you're bringing is, is the opportunity for all these souls to merge. And yeah, and um, yeah. I think I think you said something about this isn't debatable. It's not a debate. What you're offering and bringing to the public is a dialogue, a dialogue, yeah, and you're, you're yeah. giving people an opportunity to to kind of get in touch with their own innate wisdom and open up dialogue about it. And and to me, I love that that terminology of opening up a portal for the for the soul. And I think that's that's what you're you're bringing and you're offering, which is wonderful. I think that what people will discover is they get to know my teachings better and to get to know the context of my work is, is it, it does really interface with probably pretty much everything they've been taught and everything that they've learned up to this point in their lives, whether they wherever they are on the path. What I'm what I'm bringing though, I think is is more clarity to the communication between these organs of perception of soul, ego, spirit, and heart in a way that um, uh, more, more profound, I think, because it's usable information. It's something that you can actually change your life just, just on the difference between feelings and emotions, for example, and that oh, they yeah. actually mm-hmm. have distinction. <laughs> I mean, there's just a lot of different yeah. things uh, that, that don't sound like a big deal when you say them out loud, but if you actually experience some of these things and you see that they are a big deal, somewhere along the way, you do have to kind of look at the world and say uh, that I'm comfortable in my own skin or that I'm okay being who I am and realizing that part of the journey, people are not going to fully understand the path that you've chosen, all those different kinds of things, all those different challenges are there. All we're looking for is some affirmation and if it comes from inside of us and we don't trust that inner voice, then we don't think it's that big a deal because it's coming from inside of us. So we have to hear it mm-hmm. from somebody else. And so we, go, so we go to somebody else and say, you know, I, I think I know what I should be thinking and feeling about this, but what do you think and feel? Yeah, and, and knowing personally, <laughs> knowing those different aspects of, of the self and, and in that knowingness um, – that is what brings the awareness that you have. It's the, the knowingness of actually having the experience of it, which which makes you the aware person that, that you are. What do you imagine is the um, the gift that we have that is really kind of responsible for the balance between these organs of perception? Tonight we're talking about the soul and the personality, what, what do you think is a balancing principle that allows us to be sensitive to these two qualities or just sensitive to these organs of perception in general? What do you think the quality would be? I don't know if I do. I, I would say heart no, you do. And, and intuition. I, I don't know. Compassion. Compassion <gasps> is the... Yeah. Yeah. 
Compassion mm-hmm. is what makes this all possible. If there's any, if there's any uh, lubrication that quiets the friction between these organs of perception, it is a lubrication of compassion. And what's, what's profound about that is, is that what, the, what compassion does for us, which does come from the heart, for sure, what it does for us is it kind of allows us to make adjustments. In other words, this isn't, ex- this isn't an exact uh, idea of balance. Uh, it's kind of like a sail on a lake that when the wind changes just a little bit, you have to kind of adjust the sail to kind of catch the wind. Well, that's kind of mm-hmm. what you have to do in the relationship between the ego and the soul. You have to be, you have to kind of be able to shift and be aware of the subtleness and the subtle changes that's taking place inside of you to kind of shift the sail to, to, to change direction when you need to change direction and compassion makes that possible. I say it that way because one of the problems that we have in psychology and counseling, one of the problems we have in the culture in general, one of the, one of the problems we have with religion, but there's a wrong way to be in that boat. There's a wrong and right way to correct that sail. There's a wrong and right mm. way to point the, the direction of the boat, and the, and that's not true. That that be that would be equivalent to saying there's a right and a wrong way to be a tree. But so compassion gives us the gives us the freedom and the security to make the subtle changes we need to um, that we need to make to allow the communication between these organs of perception that keeps our our self moving in a true in a true direction. Uh, and keep it in oh, mind that it's that, that it's not um, a right and a wrong way or a moral way. The ethical the ethical view is to adjust the sail to catch the wind that takes you in the direction you need to go. That adjustment is not to be judged. The adjustment is necessary. The ego would call it survival to make that adjustment. You see, so so compassion mm-hmm. is what makes us or gives us the gift of being able to make the adjustments along the way. The soul. The soul knows this. The ego doesn't. The ego has to be taught this at some level. Oh, I think that's such a wonderful picture to have and to keep in in one's mind as we're going through our life, that that whole picture that, that you just created. Because as long as we are in that place of there's a right and a wrong way to be in that boat, we aren't going to trust mm-hmm. what's natural in us. We aren't going to trust that. And, and we're going to end up going in the wrong direction, living somebody else's life. If we make the ego the compass, then we're going to be, we're going to be off uh, just by that alone because mm-hmm. the boat is going to be going in whatever direction the ego decides to go, which is, you know, impulse and com- compulsion. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But if you... But, but if you move with the heart's intent, which tends to move towards true, and I think that this is what, what's happening in the culture. I mean, we're, we're really struggling right now in the culture with what's true and what's false. What can we believe? Mm-hmm. What's made up? Where's, you know, where's integrity? Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I think what's happening with, with, the, um, with the Trump and Clinton is just a projection mm-hmm. of the breakdown in the culture. There's, just, there's a breakdown in the culture that uh, is – is coming through that we don't care what's true and what's false. We don't care about mm-hmm. integrity. We just want, we just want to change. And this is where mm-hmm. I think the Trump supporters, I mean, they're under the, the illusion that he's going to somehow make a difference. 
and the and the Clinton people were going, well, you know, I'd rather vote for Clinton and keep everything the same than vote for Trump and 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 have the world be more divided and more controversial. So, but the point is, we're confused. What I try to teach in the work that I'm doing is is that this business of integrity and what's true and what's false is inside of you, and that culture you can get a handle on. That conversation, yeah. you you can be a part of that dialogue you can have. And if you have that internal connection to to these these organs of perception, if you have a connection to your inner voice and understand which voice is talking, uh, counselor, critic, bully, mediator, which one of these dynamics is speaking, and, and, and try to get some clarity in this inner dialogue, uh, then you begin to find out that the that you can find integrity, you can find balance, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. can find healthiness, and more importantly, you can find presence. And then in that place of presence, you can find love, truth, and freedom, which I always say mm-hmm. in the introduction is a place. I think if there's anything that I want to leave the folks with tonight is this idea that um, you have to make these adjustments uh, internally. They're subtle. You have to feel your way through it uh, rather than emote your way through it as you're making these adjustments. And Pay attention to the dialogue that the ego is coming up with, the questions, the concerns, the fears, the resistance. And because these, this, is the, this is the process, this business of building a relationship between that part of you that's observing from a neutral place with compassion and love and that part of you that is driving and pushing to try to get to some place and to try to be the best version of yourself or to succeed or whatever, that this internal push-pull is something that takes practice, and the adjustments take practice, and that the friction is normal, and what makes Mm. the friction tolerable, what makes the friction tolerable is self-love, compassion. Thank you for being a part of The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher, Ernie Vecchio. This is the show that can open your mind to things you never thought possible. While problems manifest psychospiritually, on a most essential level, there exists an energy component that provides the instructions for these fields to enter awareness. And the soul's intent is here to help you learn what these instructions are. Join us each week to learn how there is a physical place of love, truth, and freedom. And how in an instant, learn that moving to such a place is actually a choice.